0: I have a, like, nice collection of plants here that, uh, thankfully Christmas keeps alive.
1: (laughs) I have one too, and it's, like, woefully sideways. (laughs) Like, it's just in a really dark corner of my office, and it grows. It's actually, like, pretty impressive that it's still standing. Monsters are fun. Have you guys tried propagating them before?
0: No, but it's, like, Jumanji over there, so we might have to. uh... Do
1: it. It is the cheapest Christmas gift Or any time of the year gift. If you've got like housewarmings or birthdays, people love monsteras and the plants grow so fast from cuttings. I think I have three or four full-size monsteras in the house that I grew from a cutting starting last year.
0: Yeah, it's wild. We got it at Costco for like nothing Mm -hmm. on a whim. And it's now like quadrupled in size. It's great.
1: Yeah, well, if you need someone to pawn the cuttings off on, I am always a happy customer of plants
0: sweet
1: tasia may or may not be joining us he just said there's a few things he needs to get done actually fuck it so (laughs) maybe we'll see him pop in here in a minute chris you're like you're back to back on the frontier podcast
0: yeah episode one of chris hasn't dropped yet
1: oh it's coming it's actually secretly out on youtube already because i needed it for the wayfair on friday what's up tasia
2: yo what's up y'all how you doing hey good how are you guys doing?
1: We're good. Just kind of catching up. You,
0: you missed our uh, talk on tropical plants as well, yeah. so you'll have to catch up on
1: that.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll watch the, uh, I mean, is it making it into the video?
1: We'll see. Bill, note for Bill, <laughs> drop that in the episode. Okay. Keisha, you strike me as somebody, I mean, I, this isn't really a fair assumption because the only time I've seen you care for plants is in the office. And the plants that we used to have upstairs are crispy, but it's also because we don't work in the office anymore. So that's not your fault. But are you somebody who can keep plants alive? Yes or no? Yeah. Yeah? Like you have living plants in your house?
2: Yeah. I got a couple cacti and then I have some snake plants. Nice. My mom gave me something from Whole Foods. I don't know what, <laughs> it is, but I have something.
1: Good. You're getting some like some air cleaning action going on.
2: Yeah, totally. I love cacti. Very low maintenance. And actually, I have a cactus. That's the me- that's the cactus that mescaline comes from. And so when it gets real big, you can actually like cut it and extract mescaline from it. Um, Sick. Yeah.
1: I'm assuming you're not there yet, though. Like, you've yet to...
0: (laughs) So that's, like, a company party, like, next year or something?
1: (laughs) Or, like, a blog post. I feel like that would be fascinating.
2: (laughs) Totally. I have friends that are, like... Well, I have one friend, and I just made another. Who are, like... Like,
1: total or one or two friends that do... Okay.
2: I have two friends total. (laughs) Um, But, no, I have, like... I have some friends who are into, like, drugs, a.k.a. plant medicine. Like, they call it. Plant, which is just like, come on, dude, it's fucking psychedelic (laughs) drugs. And so, you know, they're into growing their allegedly.
1: They're doing it in the metaverse.
2: Yeah, totally. No, I mean, I i I like the notion of like being able to grow your own plants. And like, I have a small herb garden and whatnot. It's just, it's good.
1: Mm -hmm. You want to eat eat what you grow. That's right. I've got a couple house plants that are now buried in. storage room we didn't realize that we were burying them but now they're i'm just like totally inaccessible so prayers up for my my snake plant and my (laughs) monstera.
2: i like gardens of babylon over in germantown oh
1: it's great have you been to Bates? no it's like gardens of babylon but with outdoor plants
2: dang okay yeah i need to get some
1: yeah chris unfortunately you're gonna have to come to nashville um and we're just gonna have to go to all these plant stores (laughs)
0: I'm in. I uh have you seen Gardener's World on BBC? No. It pretty much got us through the beginning of the pandemic. It's like this guy, Monty Don, and his dogs tending to his gardens in uh in the UK. It's amazing.
1: Sick. I'll put that on in the background while I uh do computer things this weekend. There you go. Um I don't know how to like thoughtfully uh, transition us into the topic of the (laughs) podcast. So I'm just going to go ahead and take a hard left here. So we brought Chris on today because something people often mention about our brand is it feels like a person. It feels really authentic. And I think there's a few other brands that come to mind that do that really well, but we figured it'd be worthwhile to just talk about like how we think about authenticity, our best advice for folks when they're, um, you know, creating their brand voice and wanting to kind of talk about themselves authentically. And Chris, you are the ideal person to talk about this because you're newer to the team. So it's fresh in your mind how the brand struck you when you kind of first decided to pursue working here. Um, you're also from the restaurant scene, specifically in New York, which I think is like, a masterclass in authenticity if you want to make it. And then obviously you're on the marketing team. So this is something you think about every day. So we're going to touch on each of those today. Um, and I guess to start, like I'm very curious to hear about how the brand struck you when you were kind of looking at the business and considering applying to work here.
0: Yeah. So it's actually kind of funny because I like, I knew Abby for years, obviously, the other uh you know third of the marketing team and the thing that really stood out to me through the whole process about the brand but also like every interaction that we had was that it wasn't that like typical like applicant tracking software like submit your resume and then fill out all of uh your experience here like every step of the way was a conversation And it was a conversation about not just like what's this job going to be like, but it was like talking about running with Tyler and like weird like Jadakiss references with Asia, (laughs) and um, you know it was like a a real like connection. And I think that really stands out through our branding and through what we do on a daily basis. The biggest thing to me, my favorite part of the the interview and or interviews, sorry Faith, but uh, Mm -hmm. was when. I was sitting in a like beach house in Maine, talking to uh, Teja and Tyler, and like going through the whole like, yeah, I think I would be a really great fit for this like exciting opportunity because of like blah blah blah. And Teja like just kind of, and this is maybe the like jaded New Yorker in me, but just like came out with like, all right, let's cut the bullshit. Like, why do you want this job? Like, let's like actually talk about it now. And it just like struck a chord with me, you know, like that's what uh, that like openness and like honesty, I think is something that like we embody across the brand is like, hey, we're here to like help people get jobs. And like, we're pretty open about how we're doing it. Like, I just really like that, that vibe.
1: I feel like sometimes the brand is just like the, the brand version of Tasia's personality in a good way. You know, like, I feel like the brand voice likes things that Tasia likes and dislikes things that he dislikes. Um, And I think that's because like the foundation of the brand is built around you, right? Like the initial site copy and kind of the brand ethos.
2: I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I, I actually think this is a little bit like ancient history at this point, but like you know i started it with two other guys right jp and rich and rich was a programmer like and we went to bu together and then jp i met in china and so the whole the whole origin story is like basically we sort of saw this opportunity and we were like hey this seems interesting and we had trouble finding devs to work on things and rich had trouble finding a job and but like you know i think personalities attract each other you know what i mean so like I, i think like, I think the company is built because we like genuinely like everybody that works here. And so I, I don't know if it's as much me as in like the type of personalities that that people who are similar to me have, mm-hmm. if that makes sense, you know, because all three of us on this call are pretty honest, straight shooters, don't like a lot of varnish. And the people who like that tend to be similar. Like, I'm very right. similar to that. So, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's like, too, it's, like, too much to be, like, it's my personality, although I appreciate it. That does, like, satisfy, like, a vain part of me. <laughs> but I, but I, I think it's more so, like, you know, people who vibe with me, like you guys, and I vibe with you guys, just probably similar. And so that's that's expressed in some of the language of the brand, the copy, how we speak, how we sell, stuff like that.
1: Yeah. yeah. It's interesting how the way we interact with each other and talk to each other does become a cohesive brand voice externally too. And something we're gonna touch on later, but we might as well cover now is as as companies grow and there's kind of a more there's more hands on assets that are getting written, there's more voices that are contributing to the brand, and also just a little bit more of a corporate kind of like caution around everything. Brand voice tends to just default to the least common denominator, right? And voice, voice tends to disappear. Um, and so I'm curious, I mean, both of you, you know, how, how do we foresee maintaining that kind of authentic voice as we grow.
0: When I think about this question and like see us going forward, it like, it comes down to a lot of us, like kind of being humble and being able to just like develop an outline of like, you know, like realize like where we want to go ultimately, but also to like, you know, ask our market, like where, what can we do to, um what can we do to be helpful what can like what do you want to see from us mm. and i think that's super dependent on what platform that we're on and you know be it like twitter or linkedin or or like on our like paid ad or whatever and like use that long-term approach to like craft craft our message but um to like really take into account what people are telling us like i've always in in like restaurants for sure um, told people that like we can do whatever we want to the menu right like we can put whatever we want on the menu but ultimately like our guests are going to tell us what what they want and either they're mm-hmm. like straight up going to tell us to our face or they're just going to tell us by like what they order yeah. I think if we like if we're like talking to our dads or talking to our clients like they're going to tell us like what type of content they want to see as we develop our communities um and like as we develop the product like what we can what we can do to really like help them and and make the hiring process better
1: mm. it's interesting cuz like everybody everybody says that they want to hear from their customer or their end user um and i think a lot of folks are working with a demographic that maybe isn't quite as vocal as ours So I think we're really lucky actually that our market is developers and developers notoriously will say if they like something or they don't, well, maybe not if they like something, but they're going to tell you if they don't like it. So it's like pretty easy for us to take cues um, from our market in that way.
2: I think our market's really sophisticated. I mean, on both sides, right? Like technical Mm -hmm. leaders or non-technical leaders even, and then people who are writing the software and everybody in a tech company is actually pretty sophisticated compared to maybe like, you know, old school days when you sort of had more manufacturing oriented companies sophisticated in the sense of just like business language, Mm -hmm. you know, a buddy of mine, he's at a healthcare company. And, um, you know, I think part of their business involves like managing hospitals and managing like basically doctors and other care providers. And so, You know, the posture I think that we have is very similar in that it's like servant leadership. It's like listening to what what people expect of us and really being really being there for them. So
1: Mm -hmm.
0: especially with developers, I think it's a pretty fine line of like, you know, if they can sniff out pretty well if you're not adding anything to the community. And they're not going to tell you either way, if they like you or not, if you're not adding to the community, they'll just, just ignore you. And the only way that you're going to get feedback is if you're, you're being additive in some way.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. I, I mean, it's consistent across any profession that demands a lot of sacrifice to develop like a really strong skill set.
1: Chris, I, um, I actually think this every time I go to New York, uh, like in most cities, I imagine opening a restaurant would be really fun because you can do something that hasn't been done before and maybe fill a gap in the community. And in New York, there's pretty much nothing that isn't already there, right? Like the saturation yeah. of restaurants is unbelievable. So you have a lot of experience in thinking about how to differentiate yourself from others. And a lot of that happens through brand, having an authentic brand. Obviously the culinary world is much different than uh, what we do here with software developers. But I'm curious if you found any parallels there with brand authenticity.
0: I think there's, there's definitely, there's a few, right? Like you, there's a couple different ways that you can go about it. And like, you know, if you're going to compare it to restaurants, like in, if we're like speaking strictly about restaurants, like you can go the way of like, I'm going to open like a mom and pop, like short order, like, uh restaurant and just like grind it out right and to me that's kind of like going the like individual like recruiter route and i'm gonna like pound pavement and make contacts and like you know this is gonna be hard but i'm gonna like do it Mm. and then there's the like the other way and like the world that i kind of like existed in and i think it's like a world of there's more art to it and there's more like slow and steady like long-term growth um which is like is fine dining and it's like like i came up under uh uh under danny meyer and like his whole like thing is this like 51 49 percent like mentality of like emotional intelligence versus technical ability and the way that i like like operated in that world was like i looked at my job as like two different jobs, right? Like I had I was a maitre D for, you know, six, eight, six hours a day. And I was like a shrewd, like businessman operator the other six hours of the day. What that meant there was like if we had guests that came in that like loved our wine glasses, like sweet. Like by the time they got home I had a case of those wine glasses like with their doorman, you know, or like like Jenna Bush is coming in, like somebody's running out and getting like churros because she loves churros and we don't make them or like your little daughter loves like she loves to bake like cool like you better believe she's getting like a kitchen tour and like we're going to give her a hat and she's going to get to like scoop her own ice cream like you know something like that and then like the next morning it's like i'm changing my well vodka so i can save five cents an ounce (laughs) or like I'm like looking at three different distributors to try and save like a 10th of a cent per paper towel, like something ridiculous, like seemingly ridiculous like that. Right. And this idea of being like militant with what like I can control so that I can be frivolous elsewhere. The idea that like, people aren't going to remember what you say, they're not going to remember like what you do, but they're going to remember how you make them feel. Um, and I think that's what really like ties in to, to what, what we do. Um, and I think like where we're at right now is we have this, um, this institutional knowledge in the, in the company that we're like doing a, a really good job of working to like codify um, into like making, you know, whereas in restaurants, it was like, how do we make a really amazing experience for everybody that comes in? And it doesn't always have to be, like, let's make an amazing experience. It can also be, like, how do we take this normally really, like, shitty experience and make it less shitty, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think people are going to be, like, oh, my God, I can't wait to look for my next job with gun. (laughs) But, like, I think people could be, like, well, like, gun's super helpful. And, like, I think I'm going to, like, be, like, better off for, like, looking for a job them. Like they're going to help me, or I'm going to learn something, you know. Um, and I see those two things as like one and the same.
1: That's like absolutely fascinating. To th- I'm still stuck on the kind of militant with what you can control, so you can be frivolous with everything else. And I think the application of that to an authentic brand voice is really interesting because the things we can control are, are we on point with grammar punctuation like is, does everything read like we're very intelligent people right and then the like lay- <laughs> tasha's laughing at me just stay with me for a minute i promise i'm gonna take it home i'm gonna take it home. but the things the things that get layered on top of that is like what we win by being militant with those things right like we get some flexibility to have maybe a little bit more of a sarcastic or funny brand voice because there's that layer of like on point that's that kind of forms the foundation.
2: I like how you phrase it, Chris. Like um, the split between building a good experience, but then being really like detail oriented on things that probably like don't really add that much value, like paper towel quality. And being really cost focused on that, that resonates. We're the fine dining of the developer recruiting world. Right. So. <laughs> and the
1: and the things that like build your brand are the things that Chris what you called like, you know, the way that you make people feel when they're working with you or engaging with your brand. And not necessarily what we think I mean what I spend most of my day thinking about, which is like the nuts and bolts of the business and how it's operating.
2: And you know, it's not even that hard. It's like Think about other people at scale and imbue that into the company's DNA. And like, you know, even easy stuff like buying an engineering team's lunch. Mm-hmm. That's the stuff that actually helps build the rapport and the like that's like living the brand, you know, which is arguably I think more important than articulating the brand in mm-hmm. many ways, you know?
1: A hundred percent. We're kind of getting into the last question I have for you, Chris, which is for businesses like ours that, you know, might be in a competitive space, you know, they're playing in a competitive space and it's critical that they set themselves apart with an authentic brand. What's some advice we could share with them to help them do that? Well,
0: I think this is something that I had a, like, I struggled with for a long time and it comes back to like my kind of like journey in like finding my own like creativity and finding my own voice um like when i was yo- like earlier like younger in my 20s i'm not in my 20s when i was in <laughs> my 20s um i definitely was more like i want to like University of Colorado, like I was a little will-o'-the-wisp, uh, lived in the mountains for a while. I eventually got to this point that I realized just how important like having systems in my life and in work like really was. And this idea of like implementing as many, like just getting like straight up like Phil Jackson on like everything you do and like putting systems in place so that you can get all of your like technical stuff done and you can focus on having your purse. Like, you know, for me, it was like developing creativity, but, but it's also like focusing on like developing your voice, developing your brand, like having that fun, right? Like if you can get all of the things that need to be done out of the way, get that on autopilot. And like, for, for us as a brand, like what I think that means is like, you know and i think what we do and like our engineers do a really good job of is like they're constantly creating systems so that um anything that isn't customer facing gets like automated right like gets uh just gets taken care of so that our people in like sales or like customer success are like spent talking to customers and are like developing having that interaction yeah, just making sure like kind of going back to that like that that thought earlier of like developing that like clear objective and having some like making sure like all of your um your marketing that goes out is at least somehow like tangentially like related to that like objective.
1: T mm. you got any thoughts?
2: No, he's driving it.
1: He he's crushing it. I think yeah. I think the thing that I would layer on top of that is so if you're leading a company and it's a priority for you to have an authentic brand and to be able to provide this level of service to folks, because that's really what your brand is driven through, you have it's imperative that you make sure that your team has bandwidth to think about that. Because when I think of all the moments where we've been able to go above and beyond for somebody, it's been because our people weren't just like worked to death and like single track mind on, you know, the things that have to get done to keep the business afloat. So Chris, your advice around like, let's, you know, systematize everything you can try to get everything on autopilot that isn't customer facing in order to do that. I think it's, you know, you have to make sure that folks have bandwidth to do it and the resources to support them. Like we get to do that because leadership, Tasia and Tyler are, Willing to give us budget to send customer gifts, and you know, order a bunch of stickers for devs because they love them and want handwritten postcards. You know, so I think that would be that's my core advice. Like your brand brand doesn't come from your executive; it might be built based on your executive per- personality, but the people who disseminate that and kind of live out that brand are the folks who are talking to customers every day. So,
0: right, like. I think i kind of have an interesting like take on like the questions that we should be asking ourselves from like a a marketing perspective and i think it's you know obviously i still think of everything from like a a hospitality point of view because just that's been like ingrained or like beaten into me over years over the years like whichever you want to like look at it but like (laughs) um you know like looking at like a simple like marketing problem and like what we do right is like the most hospitable thing that we can do is to get jobs in front of people right like get and but get a specific job that is applicable to a person in front of them and like in my role that means that the most hospitable thing i can do is find the place that they are and craft an appropriate message to get in front of them but it also means to find whether or not because it's super inhospitable to be like blasting this message to people that don't want to hear it right um and then like after that asking like what's the best way that people want to like want to get this message and like something that we often i know i said earlier that people will tell us what they want but there's also this like other part of me that like you know having been a like wine director for years like people also don't know what they want yeah and like having if you want to like if you want proof that like people don't know what they want just shadow like a sommelier for like a night and you'll realize that like i don't know how many times people have asked me for a dry white wine and like i poured them chablis which is like a very dry white wine and they've been like this is disgusting and they end up with a california chardonnay which is not a very dry white wine and like this is amazing being able to step back and like ask okay like you know people say they don't want text messages but what if like instead of putting this ad on like reddit maybe it's a like super targeted text message that we could send somebody or like Mm -hmm. like being able to like ask those questions and i think being able to frame it within like within the the like frame of reference of being hospitable um i think is really really interesting when applied to like marketing and advertising right because people don't see marketing and advertising as being hospitable in any way
1: no (laughs) i think the (laughs) the general consensus is like marketing is evil and you know trying to sell you shit you don't need which you know In some cases, absolutely. And I've mentioned this before, but they get me every time. I'm a sucker for a marketing campaign. No one has to be hospitable to me. Just insert yourself wherever and I'll probably buy your shit.
2: (laughs) No, I think you're, you're really hitting on something super interesting. And it's like a real challenge, I think, for companies. Like how to move beyond somebody's articulated wants and speak at the level of like maybe their subconscious needs. And and it's like you have to leverage like empathy in a way, but then also kind of like in some cases, maybe even ignore what they're saying to like your assumption of what they need. It's a really tricky balance, but it can be done well and it can be done, I think, from a place of, as you said, hospitability, hospitality,
1: (laughs) I kind of like hospitability,
2: hospitability.
1: (laughs) They're going to be hospitable. That's going to be one of our <laughs> objectives for marketing next quarter. Yeah,
2: yeah definitely. More sound intelligent. Go say that. <laughs>
1: <going>. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, it's interesting. I'm excited to see how our brand voice changes, but also kind of stays true to our roots as we grow and as more people are responsible for kind of maintaining that across many different platforms. So great talk chris this is really helpful and i i'm like sidetracked right now because i've been taking notes on what you're saying for like how we should be thinking about things so i think that's a sign that this is a really good episode so i'm excited for people to hear it
0: cool that's been super fun
1: thanks for listening to the frontier podcast powered by gun.io We drop two episodes per week. So if you like this episode, be sure to subscribe on your platform of choice and come hang out with us again next week and bring all your internet friends. If you have questions or recommendations, just shoot us a Twitter DM at The Frontier Pod and we'll see you next week.